This is Ibarian X, and this is The Candid Frame. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website or online portfolio. For a free trial and 10% off, go to squarespace.com and use the offer code CANDIDFRAME8. Whenever I fall into a photographic rut, I try to find a way of challenging myself. It can be a new subject matter or a new approach with a familiar subject. But whichever path I follow, it comes down to finding a way of getting out of my comfort zone. The images may not always be successful, but that, that's really the point. It's about working in unfamiliar territory and learning from it in a way that keeps my photographs fresh and interesting, not only for me, but for the people who view them. It's just such a challenge that photographer Sarah Brooke Lyons created for herself with her 1005 Faces Project. With it, she has a goal of photographing 1,005 people in the city of San Antonio, Texas. In capturing these portraits of a diverse community, she has challenged herself not only creatively but personally as she uses the project to counter her tendency for isolation. As you'll see when you visit the links in the show notes, the portraits that include a short note written by each subject provides an interesting glimpse into the personalities that make up San Antonio. Well, Sarah, welcome to The Candid Frame. It's it's a pleasure to, to have another Texan on the show. Thank you. I'm really excited to do this. Not that I'm not a Texan, but I've had other Texans on the show. And have always... you? We're a proud group. Oh, n- there's no doubt of that. <laughs> <laughs> So you, you came to my attention because of a project you've been working on, uh, the 1005 project, and, and a mutual friend, Nan Palmero, uh, told us about it, told me about it. And uh, as soon as I heard the story of the project, I, I felt like, wow, I got to get this woman on the show. So I'm very pleased that you made the time for me this morning. Um, this 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 project revolves around San Antonio, and I know very little about San Antonio. So why don't you tell me about, one, how most people perceive San Antonio and how differently you wanted to portray it in this, in this work, 1005 Faces. Okay, well, San Antonio is a South Texas town, which comes with its own stereotypes. Um, it's a slow-moving kind of city, a little bit slower pace, and it's typically viewed as being a city that's not very progressive, a place to leave if you're um, young and professional. And I have the opportunity as a photographer to meet a lot of really great people in this city. And I get really frustrated with the idea that San Antonio is lame or that it's boring. Um, It also has a view, a tourist view, that you come to San Antonio and you drink margaritas and you go to Fiesta and you go down to the Riverwalk and that's what San Antonio is all about. So as a local, I enjoy meeting all the great people here in San Antonio and I wanted to be able to share that view that I get to experience with others. So when you came up with the with the idea of shooting this, why why the choice to make portraits? Why not do sort of like a documentary maybe style uh, photo story where you're going around revealing different aspects of 
of San Antonio. Why did you want to use the people and the portraits as the means to do what you're what you're doing? Well, portraiture is definitely my favorite form of photography. Typically, I do environmental portraits with the intent of telling a story of the person with the environment. By removing the environment and making all of the photos consistent in lighting, in backdrop, um, it removes any preconceived notion or story around the person and kind of forces you to look at their face and also to look at what they've held up on, on, a, little, on a little sign and, and written. I wanted to make them all very, very consistent so that you would have to explore their face without any context. And, and how did you choose the people? How did you, because, you know, you're, you're going for a little high watermark when it comes to how many people you want to photograph within a relatively short time. So how did yeah. you, how did you find people? Because I know you probably have a good number of friends, but to say that you can have a, over a thousand friends you can ask to pose for your camera is probably pressing it a bit. Right. I I started off with my network of friends and had a few small get-togethers at my house and then asked them to reach out to their networks. And I've been really harnessing the power of social media on this project so that if somebody puts their photo up on Facebook and they tag themselves and they talk about the project a little bit, then their network knows about it. And maybe, you know, a handful of people that they know will then want to take part. So after I did a few get-togethers in my studio, I had a, a few uh, events at local places that I felt were kind of interesting coffee shops and stores and places like that and asked them to reach out to their networks and also just kind of pulled people that were there and it grew from there. So each event's gotten a little bit bigger and has reached out to a few more people. And so I've had kind of cattle calls to get the numbers up. And then I have a dream list of key people in the city that I'd like to see represented in the project. So then additionally, I'm reaching out to them and, and kind of trying to get them on board. One of the interesting aspects of what you do is that you have people write something on a white card, which they hold yes. up when they're making the, the portrait. Was that always part of the idea that you had when you started the project? And, 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 oh, go ahead. and you know, and what spurred that? Why did you feel like that was um, going to be an important aspect of what you were what you were doing initially I knew that I wanted to have all of the photos be consistent in the lighting and the posing and um, and the thought was to maybe have each person hold something that identified them uh, to add an element of interest to the portrait and the first person that I had um, take part in the project I asked him to bring a couple of couple of objects that might be um, close to his heart so he brought a, a bike helmet and some books and I also had the whiteboard on hand then to have him write something and it was still in the experiment process at this point and the word that he wrote was continuity so when he wrote that it really kind of the light bulb went off that continuity would be the theme of the project so after that first person I kept with that whiteboard and had each person continue to write something on it you know that's it's really fascinating to see what 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 people write on on those um when you observe people uh, do they really sort of um rack their brains trying to figure out what to put down or do most people know what they're going to write down because they they are aware of the of the project so they kind of come in and write down something that they've already had in mind 
it's one extreme or the other. Either people are really feel pressured and don't know what they're going to put or they have something immediately. Whether or not it's because they've seen the project, I'm not sure. But a lot of times when they when they do know very quickly what they're going to write, it's because there's a backstory there. It has to do with the time they fell in love in Turkey or a situation that happened with their child that's changed their life or a motto that they always tend to live by. Most people have something that they feel identifies them that can be put on one little piece of paper, surprisingly. Mm -hmm. It's interesting to see how how some people um, will put down something that is meant to be inspirational to the person looking at the photograph, while someone else will write something down that's really personal, that is very reflective of, of who they are. Um, are you are you um, surprised sometimes by some of the things that people put down? I I am. Um, I'm surprised by, in gym more general terms, um, how people have used it as an opportunity to inspire. There's no rule or regulation. I don't give anybody a prompt or really any direction for what to write. And most people interpret it as an opportunity to be inspiring. And that's what's been most surprising to me is that when people are allowed to have a voice, they choose to draw on what they find can motivate others. When, um, when, you, uh, when you get together with these people to photograph them, you're not just you know, making a portrait and and, uh, and then allowing the person to sort of walk off. I, I hear that you spend some time engaging with them. Tell me about some of those um, those moments and why that's important to you as far as what you're doing. Well, I was kind of, when I began this project, just sort of in a life funk. Um, I had found that I was sort of isolating myself a little bit in life in general. And a big part of why I I began this project was to consciously get out of that funk. And I knew that if I was around 1,005 people, I couldn't feel (laughs) sorry for myself. I couldn't feel lonely. I couldn't be isolated. So a big part of why I'm doing this project is so that I can engage with people. And it very quickly became effective. Um, and so I, I really, it's really important to me if I'm going to be meeting all of these or having the opportunity to engage with all these people to take the time to know who they are. And that's the fun part of it for me. That's what I get out of it is I get to meet all of these really interesting people and hear a little bit about their story. It's so much fun. Yeah, and it probably gave you a great perspective on your own life that, 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 re- then that really kind of brought you out of that funk because when you hear some of the stories some of these other people you have you go what am I worried about absolutely and it really just stopped me from thinking about myself um you know if I'm if I'm engaging with other people and and want to consciously make them feel good and give them an opportunity to have a voice I've become just sort of a conduit to make that happen um, and it's not about me or my project. It's really about the community art aspect of it and bringing people together to create something that's larger than any one of us individually. I can't do that by myself. So, so walk me through the whole process. You have an event. Um, okay. you, you set up uh, whatever equipment that you have. 
um, how many people are walking in front of the, 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 the backdrop and how much time do you spend with each individual person until you get the shot that you're, you're wanting? Do you, do you take many frames? Do you take a lot? Um, how does that work for you? Well, most people, I am able to engage with them for maybe a minute at the most. Um, I've had a few larger events, and those are the ones where it's kind of a minute with each person and then on to the next. And then I've had mostly smaller events. And at those, it becomes sort of an opportunity for everyone to share, talk about what they're going to write, talk about what that person wrote. Um, and each each person walks in front of the backdrop and it's usually one frame, and I and I have it sometimes two if they blink. Um, the the concept, the the thing that I think about in my mind is that it's kind of like a mugshot. So you stand up, you hold the little sign right in front of your chest. Shutter is taken. It's just that little moment in time that I've captured. So I'm not uh, treating it as I would a normal portrait session, and that I'm really trying to capture the essence of the person. This one is just just a mugshot, just a really quick snapshot. But the smaller events are when I'm able to sort of talk to the people more and get a sense of who they are. And the larger events where, you know, 75 people have come and they're each one walking in front, I might engage for a minute and ask them what they wrote. The great part is usually they'll tag themselves on Facebook and then they become my Facebook friend. And so then I'm engaged in their lives in a larger sense than just that one minute might have allowed me to be. Well, you're using social networking to, to, to find your subjects, for all, but you're also using it as a means to sort of create awareness of it. And what has surprised you about using Facebook and, and the other social networks to, to promote it that you hadn't expected? I, I didn't expect it to generate as much attention as quickly as it has. It really just... Um, has been a very quick snowball of of people becoming engaged with the project. And I, um, you know, expected that 1,005 people would be interested in the project by the time I was done. But seeing their networks of friends engaged is really exciting. And then seeing how quickly it's reached out to those key people that I, I really wanted to have on board. It didn't take long for it to get into their networks without me having to really push it very far. So I just found that we're a lot more connected. I know that's kind of a cliche, but it it became very apparent to me very quickly that we're a lot more connected than it may seem. So has it gotten to the point that's a little unmanageable because a lot of people are coming to you wanting to be subjects, or is it still um, fairly manageable for you? Um, the emails can be a little bit overwhelming, but you know, I, I can kind of courteously reply to them in a standard way. I've had to key in my events to, to events that are a little bit more intimate. So I can't have, you know, I can't be present at larger events as much as I would like to because the numbers are kind of being accumulated really quickly. Um, and then the, the, the post-production work is, is a lot, but I expected that. Each image has to be put into black and white and put in numerical order and basic retouching. And not a, not a ton of work goes into each image, but cumulatively it becomes, it becomes a lot. <laughs> Why 1,005 people? What was, what, what was special about that number, if there was anything? Well, I knew I wanted to photograph a lot of people. 
And I had photographed a series of events in San Antonio for a 12-day summit that leads up to Martin Luther King Day called Dream Week. And it's all of these events um, that discuss bringing Martin Luther King's vision into the future. And it's just multicultural events. And I photographed 30 events in 12 days. And at the end of it, I was talking with the director of, of Dream Week, and he said, you probably have a thousand different faces from this event. And if you pulled them out, it would be a really good idea of what our city looks like. So I, I liked that idea of pulling out a thousand faces to explore diversity. But I really wanted to started organically so that that number of a thousand initiated there but a thousand is just a little bit boring and kind of goes in one ear and out the other and a thousand and five makes you think it makes you engage a little bit it makes you wonder why and ask a question so it's just a little you know psychological trick and speaking of psychology when you first started it did you think you're a little nuts with taking on this project I mean, anytime you take on a, on a project, you kind of go, oh, this just sounds really cool. But at some point you go, what am I getting myself into? Uh, did you have a, <laughs> such a moment? I I tend to be extreme in all things. So <laughs> um, this is nothing nothing new for me. I kind of go all the way and, and take on things that I um, logically shouldn't do all the time. It's kind of my uh, mantra of life is to just do things big and extreme and figure out the details as I go along. <laughs> so you studied photography at uh, San Antonio College. Yes. And um, I was reading that at one point you thought you would be a, a teacher and you found out real quick that you weren't cut up for it. And that kind of determined that you were going to really throw yourself into into photography. Tell us tell us about that. Why did you get interested in in, in photography as a as a pro, as a profession? Well, it's kind of a a little bit of a morbid story. Um, I I had a a boyfriend who, when I was nineteen years old, had had died a very tragic death. And um, a couple of days before he passed away, I had taken a a lot of pictures of him on a little disposable Kodak camera. And then after he died and his parents hadn't seen him in a very long time, I went and got the film developed. And it became this, the pictures became this source of um, a lot of healing for me and for his family to be able to still feel like he was alive and and talk about him and remember him. And it became very, very apparent at that minute that a portrait held a lot more than just the person's image. And at that point, I had been going to school at UT in Austin, and I just needed to grieve a little bit. I moved back home to San Antonio, and I, I didn't want to quit school entirely, but I didn't want a big workload. I was kind of in a rough spot in life. So I went to the local community college, which is San Antonio College, and decided I would take a photography class as a way to kind of process a lot of what I had just been through. And so I took the first photography class, and it was a lot of darkroom work, and I just became obsessed with the darkroom and watching the, the image develop onto the onto the paper and rolling up the film in a room that's entirely black, and it just became really a great source of healing for me and I took the first class and then I just ended up taking all the photography classes that they had there and went ahead and got my associate's degree from from SAC and just 
I just loved it. Well, you talk about when you, you tried being a teacher and realized that you weren't cut out for that, that you really threw yourself into trying to become a, a full-time professional photographer. And you had a daughter by this time. Um, yes. So that, that put the pressure on. And, and you know, there's, there's, there's fewer, more pressing incentives than having to raise a child to, to make you go out there and hustle. So during that time, it can be very difficult because you're juggling being your parent as well as... Um, you know, trying to start a photographic career. So how, how? tell me about that challenge and some of the difficulties you faced trying to, trying to do that. Well, one reason that I, that, that teaching didn't work out for me was just that being a single parent, there's the last semester of school, you have to student teach, which is a full-time job and you can't work. And I just couldn't figure out how I would be able to support myself and be a student teacher and try to get my daughter to school and pick her up and still be in the classroom. So photography was a way that I could have a flexible schedule as a single parent and, you know, decide when I would be shooting so I could take her to school and I could pick her up and still have, you know, as much involvement in her life as possible. And without my daughter, I would be so unstructured and having her really forces me to look for work, to, you know, get up each day with the thought of, okay, I got to find employment today. I got to work hard today. And I think that drive um, really comes from, from parenting. It is really challenging. It is really logistically difficult to be a single parent, but it's also incredibly motivating. And without her, I would be a wild child roaming the earth with <laughs> little direction. <laughs> And now I'd like to take the time to thank our sponsor, Squarespace. If you haven't already taken a look at my website that I created with a service at ibarianx.net, check it out. I've just added two new galleries to my project section, and it couldn't have been easier. After editing and making my selections in Lightroom, I was able to create a new gallery and update my website in minutes. Using a simple drag-and-drop interface, I can upload images directly from my desktop onto the browser window so I can add images to an existing gallery or create whole new sections using the service's gallery blocks, which can be added anywhere on the website and which offer hundreds of presentation variations, including slideshows, sliders, grid layouts, and more. Find out how easy it is for you to create a new website. No credit card is needed. Just sign up for a free account at squarespace.com. And when you're ready to purchase, use the promo code CANDIDFRAME8 to enjoy 10% off. We thank Squarespace for the support of the show. Squarespace, everything you need to create an exceptional website. So when you're first going out there and you put out your shingle saying, okay, I'm a, I'm a photographer, finding clients is probably one of the biggest challenges you, you, can, you can face. And you do a diverse, um, you have a diverse range in terms of the, the kind of work you do. You do the portraits, you do the events. Uh, you do children and family. You see, you also do some food photography. So, you know, when you're first going out there and you're feeling the pressure of having to go out there and actually make a living from this, you know, what was what was your process for finding clients and, and getting work? Did you just, um, you know, start uh, using social networks? Did you start soliciting friends for opportunities? How did it exactly break down for you? Well, because I had that pressure of being the, the sole provider, I took any job I could possibly get. I sent out 
so many emails to restaurants to um, a, a lot of what I did initially was assisting photographers. So I contacted every photographer in San Antonio that I thought was even remotely decent and asked them if they needed an assistant or they needed a second shooter. Um, and that, you know, I, I sent out probably 50 emails and maybe got four responses. And then I would follow up with those responses. And so a lot of work as a second shooter allowed me to seek out work as in my own business and I just I just continued to work really, really hard and kept sending out emails and kept looking for people and took absolutely any job at all, which is why I have a diverse range, <laughs> because I didn't have the option of of just finding a niche. If somebody was going to pay me, I was going to take the job. Um, and, and slowly over time, I've been able to really figure out what type of work I like because I've tried so many different types of work. And I've been I've been forced to try a lot of, of different types. Initially, I thought my my photographic path was going to go one direction, and it's really shifted because I continue to try and I continue um, to take on lots of jobs that I'm like, well, I'm not sure if I'm going to really enjoy this, but I should I should give it a try. But I was able to maintain photography as a career, um, partly by getting my own clients, but that built slowly as I was assisting and second shooting for local photographers. And long, how long have you been at it now? I've uh, been working as a full-time photographer for four years. Okay. So you mentioned finding the things that you really love to do. So what, what, are, what type of photographies do you really have affinity for and why do you like it more so than, than something else? My favorite type of photography is, is definitely portraiture. Um, I, I think it stems from that initial reason why I began photography in that there's an emotional essence to being able to capture somebody's personality and traits about them that's more than just their what they look like in a picture. And it also, portraiture when used in editorial publications or when shared with friends can really give people a sense of identity that maybe they struggled with initially. For example, if I'm able to take a woman who maybe is having a bad day and not feeling so great about herself or going through something difficult in life, and I'm able to make a portrait of her that she looks at and she feels like is her and she feels like is the best version of her, I've done something for her that I couldn't do with a conversation. I've given her a boost in confidence. Or being able to, through a magazine article, um, tell somebody's story of their life and their struggle or where they're at in their business. I just love being able to be a, a, a conduit for giving people a platform to tell their story. My favorite, favorite type of work has been some of the international jobs I've been able to do. I traveled to Africa last year and I just got back from Brazil last week. And I've traveled with mission organizations that have done medical clinics and documented the work being done and told the story of the region and the people. And that is just the most wonderfully rewarding, challenging, inspirational work that I've ever been able to do. Well, that's one of the things I wanted to talk to you about. How did, how did you make uh, the relationships happen that allowed you to do that, that kind of work? Because... 
you know, a lot of people can do portrait work in, in their given city, but they don't necessarily have the opportunity to, to travel internationally to do their, you know, to practice their, their craft. So how did that happen for you? The trip to Africa, um, I raised money to get over there, and I just volunteered my my time. Um, and the same with with Brazil. That um, that trip was sponsored. The travel expenses were sponsored, but the time that I went there and and my talents were were all volunteer. So I'm not making any money off of those trips. It's really a heart mission, and it's also part of me not um, thinking about any limitations. If I think about these opportunities too much and how I should really be staying at home and I really shouldn't be taking 10 days off of work and the amount of post-production. There's a lot of things that I can think about that would deter me from doing it, but just making the decision to go ahead and do it and figure it all out afterwards, as I tend to do, uh, allows me to do those kinds of things. Well, that, you know, you're still, even though you're not getting paid for it, you're, you're creating photography that, that can be used by the organization to help promote their, their work. So, Absolutely. That's much different from just creating portraits for a client or even for your for yourself. So how different was this process for you photographically as compared to the work that you normally do? What were some of the challenges that you faced in terms of being able to create an effective photograph for for these people? Well, one of the, the most difficult things is the language barrier, uh, particularly in Africa, they speak a tribal language and there's very few translators. So there wasn't an opportunity for me to really engage with people and say, you know, this is what I'm doing. Can I get your picture? So I would have to develop a relationship just by, you know, nonverbal cues and having them warm up to me, um, you know, helping them out with the medical clinic and letting them know that my intention isn't to exploit them. And it's really difficult to do that without... <laughs> being able to talk to them about that. So that's, that's incredibly challenging. In Brazil, another challenge that I had was um, keeping safety in mind. We were in a very uh, rough part of the, the city that we were in. So being constantly aware of my surroundings and walking through areas where I can't communicate with anybody but my translator, and I have to really pick up on these nonverbal cues of, am I safe here, am I not safe here? Um, should I go this corner? Should I not go this corner? That's, you know, really challenging. But I think when, for me, when I'm able to remove myself from my culture and be inundated in another culture, my awareness of, of beauty and composition is so heightened because I'm not so used to seeing these things over and over and being in these situations that I feel like my skills are really at their best. Mm. You want to sort of avoid creating cliche images when you're doing this kind of work. So yes. was that a challenge for you in terms of making images that were that still served a, the purpose but didn't fall into that whole, you know, cliche of, you know, the, the starving child photograph? Yes, that's so important to me. I felt like, um, especially before I went to Africa, I was so worried that I was going to come back with starving child images. And I maybe it's because I'm... I'm generally a really positive person in life, and I tend to see the best in people. So it was really easy for me to go there and see the beauty in the situation, to see people who are full of love and light and just the uniqueness of their culture and the cool things they have that they do that nobody else in the world does, and, and focus on capturing those things. It was a lot easier for me than I had 
initially anticipated. Um, and, and I think it's because I tend to see things as being really beautiful. You know, there's another project that I, I, I just found about, just found out about that you did that uh, really uh, surprised me and because I'd never seen it before, was your 365 Grateful Project. Yes. In which you photographed yes. eat something every day that you were grateful for. And I thought, how marvelous that is. Because I've heard of a lot of 365 projects, but that was the, the first time I'd heard this, this kind of project. Tell me about that. And, and what spurred you to do it? Well, that was another... Um, you know, being a single parent and and the situation I had been in with my marriage was really difficult. Getting out of that marriage was really um, just insane. And then thrown into being a single parent and having to have, um, you know, figure out how to make the money and all of those challenges in life alone allowed me to, and I felt like society also allowed me to feel sorry for myself. Like it was very easy to look at my life situation and be like, oh, this is really, really rough. Um, and I think most people in most situations, it's all perspective. Like you could, their life can be really hard. Life can be really challenging no matter where you are in, on a socioeconomic level or life situation. There's always challenges. So which is my typical nature, if if there's something negative, I want to do something about it. <laughs> I want to figure out a way to change the situation. So I had read all of these studies and thoughts on gratitude, and I and I knew that having a, a sense of gratitude was one of the best ways to sort of get out of self-pity and was one of the best ways to appreciate life. So I really wanted to cultivate a sense of gratitude and this was a way that if I was consciously every day looking for something to be grateful for for 365 days that by the end of that time I was going to understand gratitude and I was going to have this way that it would be a little bit more innate to be grateful for things in life. And did it cause a, a shift in your attitude? I mean from from day one to 365 did you find that you really had a uh, a much different perspective and attitude in terms of how you were not only seeing your life but living it? What was really interesting is that by the time I was sort of at the end of that project, um, things that I had been looking for validation in life before, I had been looking for validation um, from other people or in life situations, those things kind of filtered away and it became um, more of a living in the moment thing. So situations started to fall into place a little bit more easily and I'm a person of a lot of faith and I really believe that as I was going through this process of being grateful, my gratitude was given to God. It wasn't sort of this ambiguous sense of gratitude. I was trying to, you know, say thank you, God, for this situation. Thank you, God, for that situation. And as I'm cultivating a gratitude towards God and consciously trying to get closer in my relationship to God, my faith was was growing in this process as well. And as my faith grew, I just really began to find life a little bit easier and find situations that were difficult before kind of falling away. That sounds very, um, I feel like as I say that, I sound like everything just was going great. It's not that. It's just that the little things started to become a little bit easier to deal with. Yeah. 
did you find that this sort of change in, in attitude started being reflected in not just in the photographs that you were making, but in terms of how you conducted yourself in terms of your, your business choices? I think that I, from the, from the get-go, as I had said before, I've taken on a lot of different jobs for the necessity of survival. And as I continue to do more things like the 365-day project or really saturate myself with the exploration aspect of it and take on these personal projects where I don't have any limitations, there's no deadlines, there's no, um, you know, there's no creative input from anybody else, that helps me to define who I am as a photographer. And so then when I'm making business decisions, I can see things that don't line up with what I have discovered myself to be as a photographer. So those personal projects and those, you know, self-explorations help me to figure out who I am, which then filters into the decisions I make in a business sense. Yeah. Getting back to the 1005 Faces Project, has has the attention you've gotten for that helped, helped you in terms of getting clients and getting work? I have gotten I have gotten photo requests, particularly for portraits, not as uh, not as much as I had assumed, or not as much as I would think. I don't know. Um, hmm. I think that I have gotten more requests from people that specifically say, "I saw your project here, and I'm interested in a portrait session." So yes, I guess the answer would be. <laughs> and and how would you like to culminate this? This, uh, this this project I've heard that I know you did some wheat pasting and uh, put yes. some uh, up in a, in a part of San Antonio Nan showed me uh, some pictures of that and they looked they looked awesome um, thank you are you intending to do something much bigger other than just relegating these images to a website or a portfolio yes the vision that I have is to create 10 large-scale public art pieces using wheat pasting around different parts of San Antonio. San Antonio has a lot of art downtown, and I really want to be able to um, be a part of that, but also move art to different parts of the city so that people, when they're driving around their part of town, can go, oh, hey, look, there I am, or there's my friend, or I remember that project, or so-and-so I knew took part in that project. So I want to make these large-scale public art pieces, and each face is about four feet by three feet, and they're just gridded out and glued up onto the sides of buildings. And I would like to have every face that's been a part of the project be up outside somewhere around San Antonio. The nature of wheat pasting is that it's temporary. It's not a, a permanent sort of installation. But I sort of kind of like that idea, too, that this is just a moment in time in San Antonio that I'm capturing. So I would like to see those murals go up around town. I'd also like this piece to be a permanent wall display in the San Antonio airport so that when you are on a layover in San Antonio, you can get an idea of who we are as a city and what we desire to express. Then I would also like to be able to sort of package this up and hand it over to other large cities for them to do their own version of 1,005 faces in San Diego or Miami or wherever they are 
and be able to explore their city in this really unique fashion of creating community art and public art. And then I myself would like to be able to extend this internationally and be able to have people in other countries speak back to America and let us know here what they view as being important to say to us in America. Yeah. If someone if someone listening to this show felt like, oh, I would love to do a, a large-scale portrait project like, like you're doing, what would be some tips or suggestions that you would provide to them that you wish you kind of knew when you first started the project? I think that there's a lot of people that are willing to help out and come on board. I kind of initially felt like I had to do this all on my own. And now I realize I don't, that people are so excited to take part and to um, help out and things like that. So just really reaching out to people and making it a community art project so that the large number doesn't become daunting. It can be something that's done pretty, pretty easily. And um, also really uh, taking the time to enjoy it and using it as a form of of exploration in the photographic process, figuring out what you like your portraits to look like and how you want your images to be conveyed in the final product. So how far along are you now towards your goal of 1,005 portraits? I have photographed 650 people. Wow. Yes. So when are you intending to, to, to finish? And who's going to be the last uh, portrait? Do you have a, an idea who that would be? Well, I initially was thinking that I would be the last portrait, but I'm going to be number 1004. I'm going to auction off the last number. There's a friend of mine, um, Monica Duke, and her daughter, Macy, has cancer. She's a precious little girl and she's a single mom as well at my church and the cost of, of treatment is just insane so I'm going to auction off that last number and um, give that to Monica and Macy to help with her her cancer treatment oh, that's very so good. whoever it is that that is the highest bid on that will get to be the the last face and finish up the project are you going to try and finish up the project before the end of the year I would like to, since this project kind of spurred out of Dream Week last year, which is in January, I would like to have a party in January of 2014 with all of the faces displayed and invite everybody out oh, to take wow. part. So I, I, I think that by the end of the year, I should have gotten all of the faces. Oh, great. Well, my last question that I ask each guest is that I ask them to recommend another photographer for our listeners to discover and explore and it can be anyone someone you've long admired or someone you've recently discovered so who would that photographer be and why the photographer that I admire is a local photographer and his name is Josh Huskin and his skills are incredible but but more importantly his sense of humility is um, so admirable and I just think that San Antonio is sometimes overlooked in a lot of areas especially in our artistic talent and he is just a shining example of of the type of skill we have to offer here in the city and his ability to tell so much about a person's story in one image and really give a sense of who they are is just incredible and admirable and he's definitely worth taking a look at. And where can people go to find out more about your photography and, and the project? My website is sarahbrookphotography.com and there is a link on there to 1005 Faces that gives you a gallery. 
But to engage with the project and get the most updates, you can find the project on Facebook at 1005, the numerals, 1005faces.com. Right. Well, Sarah, thank you so much uh, for making time for me this morning. I really enjoyed talking to you. Absolutely. Thank you so much. This was a blast. As we continue to grow the show and expand our offerings here at the Candid Frame, your support is invaluable. And you can show that support in a variety of different ways. You can make small donations using PayPal. A link for that you'll find at the candidframe.com website where donations of $5, $10, $20, or even more are greatly appreciated and go a long way to helping us improve the show. You can also post reviews on the iTunes web store, which help our rankings and create more awareness about the great program that we offer here. The show's editor is Martin Taylor, who you can find at theothermartintaylor.com. Music is provided by Kevin McLeod, whose royalty-free music can be found at incompetech.com. Till next time, this is Ibarian X. Perello, and this is The Candid Frame.